Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back to the Chiggy Jaguar Show on the network. Yes, indeed, it is the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. We are coast-to-coast and boulder-to-boulder. It is a fantastic edition today. Thanks for joining us here on our big program. We've got a great guest coming up here in just a few moments, joining us on Skype. And uh, we will talk to her here in just a few. Fantastic stuff coming up today here on our program. Listen to us live each and every day at TuneIn. Also, Talk America Live each and every weekend. iHeartRadio. AMFM 247.com, 50 plus AMFM stations across the country and around the world. And uh, we have got a great musical artist uh, that we want to uh, preview here in a few, but we want you to go out and check out Rob George. Carry the wind. Instagram.com slash Rob dot G E O R G. Dallas, you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Let's get to our first guest on Skype here today. Jenny Deesa Copeland is going to join us here in just a few moments. Well, Jenny, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. And yourself, James? Pretty good, actually. We have got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in a broadcast here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Jenny Deason Copeland is with us, and uh, she is fantastic. Um, tell us a little about your latest project, my friend. Well, um, one of the things I've been doing is writing articles uh, for a, a magazine on comparisons between Nixon and, and you know, the, the Trump administration, which is always a fun one. And one of the things that uh, I found in my research on Tiananmen West, why Nixon ordered the Kent State Massacre, was one of those things like you get on a road and you pull a thread and you think you're heading to Cleveland and you end up in Juneau, Alaska. And so when I was researching the Kent State Massacre, one of those threads that did that to me was uh, the Bay of Pigs. And what I was doing was I was trying to find uh, the in the Oval Office transcripts the conversations that I expected Nixon to have with his AGs over the fact that a petition was being brought by the family and even the Methodist Church uh, got involved to the federal government asking that a federal civil rights um, violation grand jury be convened for the Kent State victims. And they had a petition with many names on it and they were bringing it to Washington. And I just knew that on the tapes, there had to be some kind of 
you know, a, agreement or disagreement about wh- how they were going to handle that because they never did uh, convene a federal grand jury. And the White House tapes were in effect from February 1971, and they weren't turned off until July 18th, 73. And those tapes should have had those conversations between Nixon and his AGs about should they sign that, should they accept this petition or not. And after reading those transcripts of the White House tapes, maybe four or five times, I could find no mention of the conversation about that in those tapes. But I did realize they were talking about the Bay of Pigs an awful lot. And I thought, gee, that's kind of interesting. And then I pulled out a book, Nixon's Darkest Secrets, The Inside Story of America's Most Troubled President by Don Folsom, who was a... a you know, a, a writer that covered the um, various presidential administrations, including Nixon's. And in this book, he talks about a different definition of the Bay of Pigs. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized I was no longer headed to Cleveland. Uh, I was definitely headed towards Alaska. And what this man has said in his book and others confirmed in Hunt in his books that the Bay of Pigs was a code term used by Nixon that really meant the JFK assassination. So I went, you're kidding me. And on page, uh, page, let me see where we're at, page 126 and throughout this chapter, um, he goes on and gives great detail about how that Bay of Pigs turned into code word for JFK assassination. So I picked up those White House transcripts again, and I reread them, and I went through, and I looked at how many times they were talking about the Bay of Pigs, and then substituted in that, in my mind, JFK assassination. And when it came down to it, the reason why the Hunt family was so feared and the seven, Watergate 7 were so feared and the reason Nixon thought it was blackmail money that they were being paid um, from the, the creep funds in order to be quiet is the way Nixon interpreted it was because of the secrets they knew about the Bay of Pigs or the JFK assassination. So you look at this whole Watergate thing in a different way when you think, oh my, they were so seriously trying to prevent these guys from talking about the JFK assassination and what they knew. And it just boggles the mind. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our big broadcast. So what do you want readers to take away from your writing in this book? Well, what I want them to understand is that we had a president who was an extreme narcissist, and you had to, in order to write the book, I literally had to play psychiatrist with how would Nixon interpret this, and how would Nixon want this to go, because the only things he did was what were good for his particular political agendas. So when you look at the Kent State massacre and you put on that, let me think like Nixon hat, he was a person who was extremely driven. He would let no one get in his way in order to 
obtain the presidency and then maintain the presidency. That was his full goal. He did not care who he stepped on. And he saw the students at Kent as literally his his enemies, just like his other enemies list, um, which included quite a few journalists. The students, the protesters, were working against his agenda, which was to end the war his way on his terms. And they were causing so much unrest that he was almost shackled in his ability to try to negotiate. So Nixon thought the best way to solve his problem was to uh, show the North Vietnamese that he was that crazy madman that he had told everybody he was, and he would maybe not go nuclear, but he would definitely shoot American students on American soil, and that would send the message over to the North Vietnamese that maybe he was madman enough to go nuclear after all, and that maybe we need to try to negotiate more seriously with this man. Because the way they had looked at the demonstrations so far was the demonstrators were, um, they felt that they didn't have to negotiate with Nixon, the North said they didn't have to negotiate with Nixon or felt that way at least and that because of all this unrest he couldn't escalate the war for fear of this unrest getting even worse so he played into their hand he went on national TV on April 30th 1970 and he escalated the war he said he admitted to doing what he'd already been doing and that is bombing a neutral country Cambodia which did cause everyone to just go up in smoke and that gave him the excuse he needed to use live ammunition on a campus somewhere. Unfortunately for the Kent students, that just happened to be Kent. He had others in his sights. Um, there were uh, universities on the East Coast and the West Coast that had his um, sights, but there are those who think Nixon chose Kent because of the students who were in the balcony um, jeering him so badly in an October 1968 visit to the Akron University campus to give a talk that the students in the balcony were from Kent and they had big signs about Kent. There are some who think he took it personally because he was so heckled by that crowd, he could no longer talk and he left the stage. We've got a great guest with us today. Jenny Deason Copeland is with us. She joins us live here in our big broadcast. Check out the website, crazyredheadpublishing.com for more information. Crazyredheadpublishing.com for more information. Take us through the writing process for this book. Well, the writing process is for a nonfiction book. I've written other books, mostly fiction or fiction yeah kids books and when i go to book signings people go oh my goodness you have everything from a massacre on this side nonfiction, to kids christmas books over here are you a little schizoid woman i go well maybe just a little but for the nonfiction book it required um, me to go through years and years of notes i've collected just an insane amount of information um, it, both in books I love books so I buy every book I can get my hands on that talks about Nixon it seems but also in the press um, looking at newspapers magazines the other piece I did was Freedom of Information Act request and there's a whole chapter on freedom, how to do a Freedom of Information Act request what the rules are how to get around some of the rules but what I found was you only get the information free 
if you are the first one to ask for it. If you are the second one to ask for it, you have to pay. And at that time, it was 10 cents a page. And they offered me some things I would have loved to have had, but at the time, I didn't have thousands of dollars to spend for this information. And they will not tell you who they gave the information to. So I was a little depressed, to say the least. But then I got wind that there was a special library on the campus at Kent and um, took the kids out of high school at the time and I said I'm going to go show you Kent you need to understand what happened to this university and what happened to our democracy because of of Kent and I took them out of school took them there uh, walked them up to the pagoda sculpture showed them the the bullet holes through it uh, and then went to the library great big high-rise beautifully built um, building and we asked for the special library. We heard there was a special library with Kent documents, Kent State documents about the massacre. And they said, no, um, we, we have a special room here on the fourth floor. And I said, oh, okay, let's see that. So we went and it was like a memorial, almost like a, a uh, an altar to say here is what happened and keepsakes and very very tastefully done and I had to confess to the librarian that no I was looking for a place where there were a bunch of files filled with information from the FBI and other places that I heard were stored here oh let me talk to my boss and they went and got the boss they drew a map for me to another building a little white clapboard building stuck off on another piece of the area of the campus and we traipsed our little bones over there we went up the steps as directed we looked at the door and it says open on tuesdays and thursdays from 1 to 4 p.m it was wednesday so i wasn't going to figure out what was behind that locked door unless i came back the next day which i did i went ahead and put the kids back in school very next day, got back in the car, went with the sole purpose of getting my body into that little special library, whatever it was. I got there. I was standing outside the door at, you know, 12.59, waiting for the door to be unlocked. And when they came to unlock the door, they almost jumped back with surprise because someone was actually outside the door waiting to get in. That's how seldom it happened. I was walked in, and a lady that looked like Mrs. Cleaver... Uh, had me sign in a guest book and then a man in black I mean he looked like FBI totally uh, came and said hey um, welcome do you um, know how this works I go no he said well here and he handed me a three ring notebook and in this three ring notebook was a bunch of laminated pages that had box numbers and a brief description of what was in the box. And he says, you um, pick which one of the boxes you want me to bring to you and I will bring them to you. I go, okay. And I'm going through this, you know, maybe 20, 30, 50 page binder full of stuff. And I saw the name William B. Sullivan. Well, he was number two, number three in the FBI and had a lot to do with uh, the Hudson report, Houston report. And that caught my eye and I said well that would be the guy that would probably have information that I'm looking for 
so I marked down six boxes, the numbers of six boxes that were associated with William B. Sullivan. And the man in black took my little card with my numbers on it and marched himself off. And he returned in about 15 minutes with four of the carts on a library cart. And he said, I have to apologize, um, ma'am, but we can only get four, four of your six boxes on a cart safely. When you're done with these four, I'll gladly bring you the other two. And I said, great. And he set the boxes on the table I was sitting at, and he said, do you know how to work these? And he pointed at microfish readers, and I said, yes, I do. He says, okay, good luck. And I opened a lid on a banker's box, one of the four that were sitting in front of me, and it was filled with case after case after case of microfish. I picked one, went over to the microfish reader and started winding my way through history and realized that I could be there from one until four every Tuesday and every Thursday from now until the sun burnt out and I would never get to the bottom of a one percent of the information that was stored at this location and as I'm driving home having spent my three hours and learned very little other than that there are places in the universe where all the information you seek is stored, but you don't know they're there. And even when you find them, you have to ask yourself, what purpose was this little building? And the more I dwelled on it, the more I thought, well, maybe these are the places that the Freedom of Information Act request information goes that if they don't want people to get it. They say, oh, it's already been given to this organization over here. They don't tell you what organization that it's been given to, but now I would have to pay for any of that information I wanted. I called it an information dump. That all that information that researchers would love to have their hands on was stored right there under our noses and they could say then, if someone requested that information, oh, we've given it to someone already, and then you couldn't get it for free. That's what I think I discovered, that the U.S. government's Freedom of Information Act is a farce. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast. Jenny Deason Copeland is with us here on our big program. She joins us live here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Now, talk to me a little bit about the parallels between Nixon and Trump. Well, they're both probably the most narcissistic people that have ever risen to those kinds of ranks within a democracy. Um it's one thing to look at a Mussolini or a Nazi leader like Hitler, and yes, we all understand how narcissistic those people were. But we have, we had in Nixon an extremely narcissistic person, and we have that in Trump as well. Nixon even said, if the president does it, it's not illegal. He didn't understand, even though he was a lawyer, the rule of law. Then you compare that to Trump, who was, does not have a, a legal background, and you say, okay, we can almost forgive Trump 
when he says things like he doesn't understand, you know, he says things where it's clear he doesn't understand the rule of law. But for a lawyer like Nixon, a highly educated man, to put himself above the law just because he's president was a very interesting thing. In fact, it was a live interview taped on TV. You can get your hands on it sometimes um, by uh, David Frost was the interviewer. And so if you look up just Frost Nixon interview, you'll find it. And in there he does say, blank, if the president does it, it's not illegal. Point blank, right in your face. Now, Trump, on the other hand, takes a different tactic, and that is he lies about everything. And I thought that was unique until I remembered uh, what they had said about Nixon. Eisenhower, at one point, who was not going to have Nixon on his ticket uh, the second time around, but then they did. Uh, there was a big debate. Did he continue with Nixon or not? And he, the comment he made to, to someone was, I don't know if that boy knows how not to lie. And so those two both had a reputation, both Trump and Nixon, of lying whenever it suited their agenda. Nixon wasn't caught at it as much as I think Trump is, only because Nixon was an extremely educated, very bright man. We have got Jenny Deason Copeland with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast, and uh, she has got an incredible, incredible book here. Now, um, what do you want readers to take away from your writing of this great book? Because you've put a lot of time and effort and everything into it. Well, it's the final chapter. The The book is written in five sections. In the last section, I propose a way to prevent Nixon's from ever getting elected into office again. Now, the book came out in 2017, so I, I was a little late on the, the upstitch there, but it is what it is. Um, and I propose that it is the responsibility of the Republican and Democrat parties to vet their candidates for with some kind of decency scale, with some kind of, do they fulfill the quality uh, the requirements, not just of winning an election, but do they fulfill presidential requirements? And and spelled out things like, should we ever put on the ballot someone who is so deranged that it puts the com- country in jeopardy? Would you want a deranged person to have their hand on the football, their hand on the nuclear uh, button, uh, their hand on the phone to go talk trash to diplomats and leaders around the world. We, we think we should have some standards. I also propose that all candidates, before they're put on the ballot, uh, are required to take an MMPI2. Uh, it's a Minnesota multiphasic personality inventory 2, which finds uh, abnormal behaviors in, in this inventory. And then it would be up to the Republican or Democrat Party, do they want to put that person on knowing that they've got a a huge lie spike or a huge antisocial spike? Do you really want a president with these kinds of abnormalities? But it 
I think it's the responsibility of these political parties to vet those candidates for, for some kind of sanity, education, some, some kind of bar before we put them on the ballot. We've got Jenny Deason Copeland with us today. She joins us live here in her broadcast. Check out crazyredheadpublishing.com for more information. That's crazyredheadpublishing.com. And uh, how do we find you on social media? Well, you will find me and all of my uh, book trailers as well as a how to play our, our game. We just came out with a game called Saki. It's a nice little family card game you can take anywhere. If you can count to 12, you can play it out there on YouTube. And you find me with Jenny Deason Copeland, and that's Jenny with a Y, D-E-A-S-O-N, Copeland with an E. And you will find every everything out there on our video channel on YouTube, including Chipmunks on the Patio. So, you know, it, all kinds of fun stuff. You can also find our books on Amazon. You can find our games and our children's activity set for Mousekeeper Christmas on our website at www.crazyredheadpublishing.com. I'm on Twitter. Um, Facebook, you can find me. Just type in Jenny Deason Copeland. I also have a site for Crazy Redhead Publishing. And I put up podcast links on our website, again, at www.crazyredheadpublishing.com. Well, fantastic. Well, I appreciate it, Jenny. We definitely will uh, have you back because I know there's a, there, there's a lot of folks that uh, definitely want to talk to you. And um, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you, Jim. Thank you, my friend. There she goes, Jenny Deason Copeland. Check out CrazyRedHeadPublishing.com for more information. And we are going to take a time out and come back with more on the other side. London. fastest growing technology since the advent of the internet. In time, and sooner than you might think, blockchain will be used widely in healthcare, finance, travel, insurance, real estate, shipping, food safety, and a raft of other industries. There are virtually no domains available with the exclusive blockchain name solely in the URL to make a statement on the web. You now have that opportunity by owning blockchain.cam. Drive traffic to your industry with the most direct name you can find. Go to blockchain.cam for more information. When you're looking for today's best advertising, there's just one place to go. LEDsigns.com. L-E-D-S-I-G-N-Z. LEDsigns.com. Get you customers guaranteed. Rent a portable LED sign from LEDsigns.com, and it will be delivered to your destination for about $33 a day. Or rent to own it. Advertise your business, service, or products all day, every day. That's LEDsigns.com. L-E-D-S-I-G-N-Z. 
I-N-Z. Give them a call today. 1-800-955-0505 and get a complete advertising package deal. Visit LEDsigns.com. L-E-D-S-I-G-N-Z. Fill out the form and mention in the comments that Bill Anderson sent you. LEDsigns.com. Advertising done right. Peacemaker Coffee understand the ritual of the pour-over is like a meditation. There's no machine in your way, no flashing green lights, no electric power cords, just you and a few simple tools. The final cup is reminiscent of one from a drip coffee maker, but noticeably more delicate and complex. With Peacemaker Coffee, observe the bloom. Experience the first trace of coffee steam. Notice how the spiral of the pour alters the final cup. This simple experience gets you in tune with your coffee. Peacemaker Coffee Company is a coffee company that supports law enforcement and knows how to make a great cup of coffee. Peacemaker Coffee is dedicated to the men and women serving in this great country of ours and to the men and women who support them. Visit their website today. PeacemakerCoffeeCompany.com Comic book lovers have your favorite comics safely delivered to your home or office from SoFanComics.com. Choose from Batman, Hulk, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Spawn, John Wick. SoFanComics.com have them all and more. Comics make great gifts, so be sure to do your gift shopping at SoFanComics.com. They have great deals and ship worldwide. Order your favorite comic books online at SoFanComics.com. S-O-F-A-N. SoFanComics.com. Welcome back to the world famous Chicky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. I put a spell on you. Coast to coast to bowler to bowler. 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. Cause you're mine. J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-O-A-R.com. We're going to put a spell on you on iHeartRadio and 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well. We have got a great, great marketing partner we want to tell you about right now here on a broadcast. Check out the website. It is absolutely amazing. It's manifestthywill.com. That's M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-T. H-Y-W-I-L-L dot com. Manifestthywill.com. These folks are absolutely amazing. I want you to go check out their website right now. Manifestthywill.com. A little bit more about ManifestThyWill.com. This is a very, very entertaining marketing campaign. We want to tell you about this, and uh, you have got to go over to Manifest Thy Will. This is an amazing, amazing situation. Check out ManifestThyWill.com for testimonials and information. It's M A N I F. 
E-S-T-T-H-Y-W-I-L-L dot com. Manifest thy will. The master of the dark arts has been initiated many lifetimes to serve the all-powerful. The master of the dark and the light. And become his ambassador of the dark arts. Through him, there is no need to work with demons, as he is above it all. You're doing the right thing by reading the website at manifestthywill.com. There are many advantages you stand to gain by working with him. He will help you triumph in hopeless situations. Matters that have already been deemed impossible by other spell casters. Don't give up on your situation. Just because other spell casters have failed you, life is not as hard as you see it. Your situations are not as powerful as you perceive them. And in any of these cases, he can help you. Get more information at manifestthywill.com. That's M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-T-H-Y-W-I-L-L.com. Manifestthywill.com. And tell him, you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide coming back with more here on our big program. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, an economic and trade expert. The good doctor, Michael Bosler, is with us. He's a uh, public policy analyst, economics expert, professional, uh, just an amazing, amazing individual, professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. He's also a featured columnist at the Daily Caller, Newsmax, Live Zet, and Town Hall. And he's with us today here on our big program. Now, Michael, uh, you are a finance expert, and there is a lot going on with the... Uh, with the the stock market, basically all hell is breaking loose with Trump's trade war with China. Fill us in on this. Well, um, thanks for having me on your shame, uh, your show, James. I always yes. appreciate being here. Um, as you know, uh, we're having some conflict uh, with China uh, that's pretty much uh, escalated into what most would say is a full-scale trade war. So here's essentially what happened, looking at the big picture. President Trump comes into office. We take a look at every one of the trade agreements that the U.S. has entered into, and for whatever reason, every single one of them is slanted to the, in favor of our trading partners and to the detriment of the U.S., for instance, uh, in the automobile industry. They make a car in Europe uh, and sell it in the U.S., we charge a 2.5% tariff. Same thing with China. They make a car in China, sell in the U.S., we charge a 2.5% tariff. We make a car in the U.S. double Europe, they charge us a 10% tariff. China charges a 25% tariff. The result of that is our cars are uh, high, highly priced uh, in Europe and China, so they don't buy too many of our cars, so none of their money comes into our country. On the other hand, their cars are federally inexpensive since the tariff is so small. We buy a lot of their cars, and a lot of our money flows out of the country. So President Trump said to every one of the trading partners, listen, we have to renegotiate all these trade deals. Every one of them said, we're not in any hurry to do that. <laughs> They're all in our favor. So President Trump, who's a business person, not a politician, although he's learning to be a politician, not a politician, a business person, um, when confronted with a situation where you have a reluctant trading partner, a business person will create a sense of urgency. And that's exactly what President Trump did. He put tariffs on everybody. Already, 
Mexico and Canada have agreed to a new trade deal. South Korea has agreed to a new trade deal. Japan and India are talking to us about new trade deals. And for the first time since Richard Nixon normalized relations with China, we're looking at a new trade deal with, with China. So uh, China has been in a very favorable position for decades. And it's going to take a lot to have them changed. I think President Trump is doing the right thing by putting pressure on. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. The good doctor is with us. Check out uh, all of his articles over there at LifeZet, Down All. Newsmax, the Daily Caller. Now, um, the Dow is negative 767. Uh, g- g- give us some details on this. Um. I thought the Dow was up about 400 points. Okay, today. okay. I, I must have yeah. missed that, that headline. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so, so what happened is um, uh, in, in April, we had an agreement with China that covered everything, even touched on some of the intellectual property rights that China uh, does not honor. At the last minute, for whatever reason, China backed out of the deal and thinks they can get a better deal. Well, Trump said, look, I set a deadline of May 1st. If we don't have a deal May 1st, more tariffs go in. They convinced the president, give us another uh, 90 days, and we'll have this done by September the 1st, 120 days. Have it done by September the 1st. Well, here it is, the middle of August, it's not getting done. So President Trump said, look, if we don't have a deal by September 1st, I'm putting 10% tariffs on the rest of the products from China, I haven't put tariffs on yet. Well, the stock market said that's going to lead to them retaliating and a big trade war, and the economy is going to go into recession, cause the stock market to go down. The next day, they realized that they overreacted to all this. Even with the tariffs, it's not going to cause a recession, so the market came back. Now, just this morning, uh, after a not too good day yesterday, this morning, Trump announced I'm going to delay the tariffs on September first. Well, the stock market responded very favorably to that, and it's now, last time I looked, it was up um, about four, um, 400 points. So the, the marketplace realizes that the deal we make with uh, China is very important. If it turns out we don't have a deal, that could be very negative. If it turns out we do have a deal, that could be very positive. And as a result, the stock market is getting these wide fluctuations. My view is that we will eventually get a deal because it's so complex and it involves intellectual property, and that's a big thing with China. They, they like to get as much of our um, uh, innovation and technology as they can. Um, but um, that's the tough part of the uh, deal. But I think a deal will eventually be struck, and even in the short term where our soybean farmers, for instance, are getting clobbered by this because China is retaliating um, against our tariffs by putting on their own tariffs and uh, even reducing the quantities of uh, goods that they purchase. So soybean farmers in particular are going to be hurt in the short term. But they realize once you get a good trade deal and things are fair into the future, maybe forever, these markets will be fairly opened up to U.S farmers and other manufacturers and will have a positive effect into the long term. We have got Michael Boozer with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast and um, 
what 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 do you make of uh, the, the fact that Trump is handling this uh, situation with with China, this trade war, uh, a little bit differently than uh, than than you know most people would. He's handling it a lot differently than anybody else would. I would agree with that. The reason is um, everybody else is a politician, and politicians don't like to take drastic actions that could upset things. So if we had a, po- a normal politician, they would convene the summit with the, with the Chinese. They'd send their representatives, we'd send ours. They'd meet for a few days, come up with some proposals. They'd go back and talk, convene another summit. Six months later, make some more proposals, and at the end, they would kick the can down the road to the next president, which is what the last three or four presidents uh, did. President Trump is a business person, not a politician. A business person sees a problem, particularly if it's going to affect your bottom line, sees a problem and confronts it immediately. So President Trump is not kicking the can down the road to anybody. We have a very serious problem with China. Um, we buy over $500 billion worth of their products. They buy only about $100 billion worth of ours. So it's over $400 billion a year negative trade balance, and that's money that's floating, uh, just simply flowing out of the country. President Trump says, I don't want this to stop four, five, six years into the future. I want this to stop today. So he's going to take action that forces China to come to the table. The bottom line is, China needs us more than we need them. Already their economy was has rapid growth for the last decade. Their growth rates have been cut in, in half, maybe even a little bit worse than that. They're not completely forthright with all their information, so it's hard to tell. But their economy has suffered dramatically. The other problem they have is the reason American companies went over there in the first place is the wage rates are, are very low. Labor costs are very low, so people don't get paid very much. Meanwhile, China has put tariffs on agricultural products. They'll stop buying some agricultural products, which means they'll buy them from somebody else. Either way, food prices for the Chinese consumers are going to start going up significantly. Well, you have a, a workforce that has low wages, and now suddenly food is more expensive. That's going to create a lot of problems for them. I think eventually it will pressure the Chinese government into coming up with a good uh, trade deal, good in terms of uh, what the Americans see. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. We're going to take a uh, brief time out here with Michael, and when we come back, we are going to uh, keep chatting with the good doctor here about uh, Trump and uh, fiscal conservatism. We've got more coming up with the doctor on the other side after this break. Attention, this is a public notice from Citizens Disability. If you are one of the millions of Americans who are disabled and unable to work, you may be entitled to disability benefits from Social Security. Receiving benefits is your right if you suffer from a physical or mental disability. Whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied, 
Citizens Disability can help. You'll be given an advocate who will evaluate your situation, handle your application, and deal with Social Security. Best of all, there is no fee until you receive your benefits. We only get paid if you win your case. To get started with your free no-obligation consultation, call 800-504-1639. That's 800-504-1639. There are a vast number of conditions that can make you eligible for disability benefits, many that you may not be aware of. So if you're disabled and unable to work, Call Citizens Disability today. Again, that's 800-504-1639. 800-504-1639. That's Citizens Disability. 800-504-1639. Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-4915. That's 800-475-4915. Again, 800-475-4915. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand, call Consolidated Credit now. They can consolidate your debts, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. Call Consolidated Credit now. 800-404-0907. 800-404-0907. That's 800-404-0907. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 33313. Not a loan company. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM-19. Oregon DM-80031. Licensed by Virginia State Corporation Commission DC-32. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS and you cannot afford to make payments to the IRS, you may qualify for the CNC tax program. This is a new program, and if you qualify, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Once you're accepted into this program, the IRS is forced to stop all harassing collection activities. No threatening phone calls, no wage garnishments, no bank levies, and no more monthly payments to the IRS. Get ready to write this number down. It's the most important number you'll ever need to end your IRS tax nightmare. Call Paramount Tax Relief at 800-549-6183 for a free confidential consultation to find out if you qualify for the CNC tax program. Once you are accepted into the CNC tax program, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Call Paramount Tax Relief now at 800-549-6183. That's 800-549-6183. Again, 800-549-6183. This is your ASC Automotive Professional, Pam Oaks, and a happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. We are very grateful here at Car Care for the Clueless for having you guys in our lives for the last seven years and over 2,000 broadcasts. And we're looking forward to giving you more car care tips in 2019. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Ta 
talk with Jiggy right now at 1-866-763-1242. And email JiggyJagwire at JiggyJagwire.com. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We have got a great, great segment coming up here in just a few moments. Get a hold of us online, JiggyJagwire.com. That is the best spot to... uh, Get involved with us and see what we are up to. Check out iHeartRadio as well. Download the iHeartRadio app. Listen to us, past, present, and future programs each and every day at iHeartRadio. You can also find us at AMFM, 247.com, 50-plus AMFM stations across the country and around the world. Talk America Live on the weekends. And, of course, each and every Sunday, our Twitch live stream as well. Video, interviews, all sorts of different things. And uh, thanks for joining us today here on our big program. We're going to get to our next segment here in just a few moments. But before we do that, let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a great GoFundMe campaign. Check out G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M slash the letter F slash Alaska Dog Care. Oh, that's right. They're trying to build a safer kennel and doggy daycare for Alaska. And they are uh, launching a GoFundMe campaign to do that. They want to create a place where you can have pet products, uh, no-kill animal shelter, boarding, doggy daycare, pet transportation, and vet all in one spot. They will give affordable prices along with futuristic kennel system to help spread and speed up the check-in and check-outs to prevent kennel cough, make your pet feel at home, and every pet will get the shots that they need before boarding and no need to go elsewhere and get them check it out it is a fantastic fantastic gofundme campaign at g-o-f-u-n-d-m-e dot c-o-m slash the letter f slash alaska dog care and tell them you heard about it here transmedia worldwide our next segment here with of course the great dr michael boozler and um, he's a public policy analyst economics expert and professor of finance at stockton university in new jersey and in this segment we're going to be talking with the good doctor about uh this situation with uh trump and there's a there's a lot of folks that are saying that uh essentially he is uh, killing fiscal conservatism and with it the tea party uh, explain this a little bit uh, to us here doctor well um, as you know uh, a fiscal conservative and the tea party exemplifies this a fiscal conservative likes to see the budget the government budget balanced uh, every year likes not to see deficits and would like to see the public debt which is the accumulation of all deficits would like to see the public debt reduced uh, President Trump just signed a, a budget that essentially does um, the opposite of that. Um, they, uh, he signed a budget. It will mean for the next two years till um, 2020, after the 2020 elections, uh, there won't be any uh, problems with running into uh, the debt ceiling limit or passing a, a budget. Now, the problem with the budget is that uh, it increased spending, which goes right to the deficit, um, by about $320 billion over those two years. And at a time when we could be reducing government spending and reducing the deficit, this is exactly opposite to what conservatives would um, say, and they're wondering what President Trump is doing. Now, on the other side of that, here's what President Trump is doing. 
the most important thing for his economic policy is to stimulate economic growth, and for good reason. Uh, prior to him coming into office, we hadn't had 3% annual economic growth since the year 2005. That's a decade, more than a decade. <laughs> wow. Subpar growth. We Heck haven't had good growth since 4% since the year 2000. And that economic stagnation has caused all kinds of problems. Underemployment, people dropping out of the labor force, uh, even a lot of the social problems, I think, are a result of slow growth in the economy and a lack of opportunity. So President Trump's first priority is economic growth. Uh, he immediately reduced uh, burdensome regulations that slow growth and were unneeded. Uh, he then convinced Congress to cut taxes for all Americans, the middle class, to stimulate demand, and the upper classes and corporations to stimulate supply. And the result is that economic growth has uh, increased, um, and uh, inflation has remained relatively low, and unemployment is uh, very low. So that's his first goal. Now, once the economy is moving, he wants to reduce the deficit. Well, how do you do that? Now, some will argue Look, you just cut taxes, that's going to add to the deficit. The reality is that's not true. They cut taxes, went into effect in 2018, and even though the tax rate went down because economic activity picked up and people earned more income, total tax revenue actually increased in 2018 over 2017. So the tax cut didn't cause any increase in the deficit. What did cause it was increases in government spending. So here's why President Trump agreed to what he did and what he's going to do after he hopes he gets re-elected. He looked at the government budget. Uh, we're going to spend roughly $4.4 trillion this year. Of that, a little over 60% of it, $2.7 trillion, is for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Politically, you will eventually have to deal with those, but politically, you can't deal with that now. You won't get reelected for sure. In addition to that, another 10% of the budget is for interest on the public debt, which you obviously have to pay. Comes out to about 72% of the budget is very difficult to uh, reduce. Again, we'll have to deal with it eventually, but not right now. So he said, I can't touch that. What's left? Well, there's roughly a trillion and a half dollars left. Roughly half of it is military and half of it is domestic spending. President Trump said the military has been decimated from, by the last administration. Not only do we have to increase spending as much as we have in the, in the last year or two, we need an additional $75 billion each of the next two years. The Democrats said, if you want another 75 or $80 billion a year for the next two years, we want increases in domestic spending also. So he had to agree, because of a Democratic-controlled a Democrat House of Representatives, he had to agree to some increases in domestic spending, and that's where that $320 billion increase uh, comes from. What Trump hopes is he gets reelected in 2020, the Republicans gain control, gain back control of the House of Representatives, and gain a few more seats, majority in the Senate. At that time, we'll start to tackle government spending and uh, reducing the 
deficit. I think what's going to happen, and there's no easy answer to reducing government spending, given that so much of it is for these entitlement programs. Um, there's no real easy solution to reduce spending in any of those entitlement areas. So I think the only solution that makes sense, and this is not a good solution either, probably the least bad solution, is we're going to have to read the retirement age at least at 70 years old and probably higher than that in, into the future. And look, when we put Social Security in in the mid-1930s, People retired at 65, the life expectancy was 67. So you only collected for a couple of years. Today, people are living well into their 70s. Many people are running for president today are into their 70s. People are living into their 80s, into their 90s, and some are living over 100. Well, there's no way you can retire at 65 or 66 and expect Social Security and Medicare to cover you for the next 25, 30 years. So what's going to happen, I think, is um, President Trump agreed to this deal because he was, it was his uh, best alternative. He hopes he'll get reelected in 2020, and the Republicans will carry both the House of Representatives and the Senate. And if he's right, then he can tackle these entitlement programs. He'll emphasize anybody who's currently collecting will not be affected. And it's very important. Anybody who's currently collecting will not be affected. Anybody who's a couple of years away from retirement will probably not be affected. But anybody who's uh, under 60 or in their late 50s or younger will be affected by a new system that they'll implement probably gradually, but it will, I think, raise the retirement age up significantly to save those entitlement programs. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. Now, uh, what 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 are some other, I guess, criticism that that Trump's going to get if he if he does some of these different things that you've mentioned? Well, the, the criticism is that um, the, the public debt, um, which is um, over twenty trillion dollars, approaching twenty two trillion dollars. Um, and the interest expense alone is over $400 billion uh, a year. As I said, roughly 10% of government spending. The criticism is, he's a Republican. He's supposed to be a conservative. He should be addressing that, that problem. Uh, so he's going to be criticized greatly, even by his own supporters, for not, for not tackling the government spending and deficit problem uh, head-on uh, as soon as, as possible. He'll answer back that... Um, I can't do that right now. Politically, it's not going to work, and economically, it would create problems. Give me until I get reelected in 2020, and then we'll uh, concentrate on this and have a better cast of characters to help them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, we have got a great guest with us today. Joins us live here in a broadcast. Now, uh, Michael, before we let you go, tell us what your latest article is and where people can go find it. So the best place to get me is uh, my Twitter is at mbusler. That's at m-b-u-s-l-e-r. At m-b-u-s-l-e-r. If you're on your Facebook page, you can search "funding democracy." I have a Facebook page called "Funding Democracy: The Economics of Freedom." So search "funding democracy" and you can read every column that I've written in the last five or six years. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we will definitely talk to you soon. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for making time for us today. 
Thank you, James. It was all my pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. Definitely. Thank you, my friend. There he goes, Dr. Michael Busler. We're going to take a timeout. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.